0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hey, father's Day's coming up. Are you ready? Hi everyone. I'm Steve Sparks. If your dad's a golf guy, listen to this. You can hook your dad up and benefit a great cause in one shot. You got to order by June 17th and there's two options. All net proceeds go directly to the Astros Foundation's COVID relief efforts. Number one, 50 bucks and you get your dad a Houston open hat. The logo on that is awesome. Package number two, that's $99. You get that hat, you get a sleeve of Pro-V golf balls, and also an invite to a Zoom happy hour call with last year's champ, Lonto Griffin. So remember, you got to order by Wednesday, the 17th of June, and you go to HoustonOpenGolf.com slash tickets.
2: Back to Astropod, the official podcast of the Houston Astros. Hi, everybody. Welcome. My name is Todd Callis. I do the television play-by-play for the Houston Astros. want to thank all the Astros buddies and future Astros who have joined us. Very happy to get a chance to talk to you and especially happy to introduce you to one of the Astros pitchers who made his major league debut in 2019. He is currently wading through this coronavirus pandemic in the state of Alaska, where he lives in the offseason. I believe he's the only major leaguer that lives in Alaska his name is Sy Sneed. Sy, how you doing today? Uh,
3: I'm doing good. Just enjoying uh, being in Alaska and
2: uh, talking to you guys. So, as far as we know, you're the only major league player that lives in Alaska in the offseason. Are we still going with that, or have you found anybody else?
3: I haven't found anything that says otherwise, and, you know, I uh, I, I like that. I think that's pretty, you yeah, that's a good thing, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, as far as I know, there isn't anybody else that does it. I, I do know a couple of people that were, you know, maybe born here or spent some time here, um, growing up a little bit. But as far as I know, I'm the only one who actually lives here. Not only does he pitch <laughs> and he's a major leaguer, he also in the off season has a chance to be a school teacher. You're a substitute teacher, right? you go through all different grades. Yeah, I'm a substitute teacher in the off season. I go through. Um, I mainly do middle school, high school stuff, but. Um, I do mess around with the, uh, K, you know, like K through six or whatever. Um, but, yeah, so I, uh, I do have a little bit of experience doing that. I've been doing it for about four years now, give or take. So it's not uh, not too bad of a gig. That's pretty cool. So as a teacher in addition
2: to being a major league baseball player. And right now in Alaska, you're usually not around there in the
3: summer because you're pitching somewhere. But, how? I mean, yeah. you guys have a, a lot of daylight right now, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, when I wake up at 7.30 in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, it's full bright sun. And when I go to bed at 10 o'clock at night, it's full bright sun. So I don't really actually (laughs) ever even see the sunrise or sunset uh, right now, but it is just it's sunny all day long. Maybe not sunny, but the sun's out.
2: So what hours, I know you're not awake,
3: but what hours right now is the
2: sun? Is it, what hours is it not bright enough to be outside or play golf or, or have any outdoor activities? How many hours a day?
3: Um, honestly, right now, probably very few. Um, I do know that, you know, in normal years when there's the Alaska baseball league uh, summer league for, for college that they play a midnight sun game in late June that starts at midnight. Um, and <laughs> it's played, no lights, no anything. So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy, but I imagine you know maybe midnight two o'clock in the morning like maybe three o'clock in the morning probably between there is probably right now too dark to do stuff but um you know as we get closer to the solstice it'll it'll be very uh very possible to still do stuff late at night especially the further north you go
2: all right last question from me and then we're going to go to our questions from our astros buddies and future astros and the first one's actually a great one but Um, my last one, the last one for me for now is what have you been doing to stay ready? Uh, what's your life been like in Alaska during this pandemic?
3: Uh, yeah, so I've just been, I've been knocking out a lot of projects, you know, the honeydew list is is getting shorter. (laughs) So, uh, you know, knock out a lot of that stuff. And then as far as workouts go, I've just been trying to be creative and, um, you know, with gyms not being open and stuff. And so, I do have a little bit of equipment that um, you know I can get some stuff done, some kettlebells and stuff. But um, truly, I I think the best workout you can just about do is is uh, chop firewood. So I've cut a lot of that, probably about a cord, and uh, which really isn't all that much. But um, do a lot of that. Just you know, find ways to be active, find ways to turn things into a workout, and have a little bit of have a little bit of fun.
2: All right. Well, time now to go to our questions from our. Ah, uh, various future Astros and Astros buddies. The first right. one is from a, is a from a three-year-old. His name is Cy. His name is Cy, and like he was that. wondering if you, if like you were point. named after anybody,
3: and if you like your name. I, I do like my name. Uh, first off, and I was actually my parents named me after Cy Young. You know, kind of puts you on a one kind of career path kind of life, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So that's who I was named after, and my name is just Cy. It is just E Y. There's no. You know, I've I've run this with other people that go by Sy, maybe their name is something else, but mine is is just Sy, and I do like it. It's pretty unique, but everybody does spell it wrong for some reason. So we got to work on that. What are you getting instead of Cy? Oh man, P S Y. I had a I had a substitute teacher in high school spell it S I G H E, not. Close. <laughs> uh, but yeah, usually if if like, especially if I'm out somewhere and they you know, kind of, you know, put a, a weird spelling on it. I'll usually take a picture of it and, and uh, post it on my social media or whatever. People seem to get a kick out of it.
2: Sai <laughs> so and his mom have a follow-up. So I'm going to go to that. What is the best baseball advice you've ever been given? Just probably to compete.
3: You know, there's, there's people that are, you know, maybe have more talent or more opportunity or more this or more that, but um, just being a really, really good competitor is hard to beat. It's it's hard to beat somebody who's just a really good competitor, just hard nosed, and and uh, you know somebody who can who can really grind through uh, you know times that are tough or or you know poor scenarios or whatever. Uh, but just being a competitor and being a competitive person in what you do is uh, is really really important. I think. Yeah,
2: that was uh that was why Saia made it all the way up last year to the major leagues, made his big league debut on June twenty seventh went back and forth around Rocky was with the Astros for six different sins. And, uh, we're looking forward to seeing what he can do in 2020 once the season starts. Next question is, do you play Fortnite?
3: I don't, I, I don't really do a whole lot of, uh, video game stuff or internet stuff, but, uh, You know, I I do know that people like to do it. It's just never really been something that uh, caught my eye. You're such an avid outdoorsman, and
2: and I I would imagine (laughs) that that's part of the reason. You're not really inside that much. Uh, Carson wants to know, if you were pitching right now, who would be the last guy in the major leagues you would want to face?
3: Oh, goodness. Probably anybody on our team. Uh, (laughs) They're just really, really good. Um, but, you know, obviously there's, there's, uh, you have some guys out there that are really good. You've got like Trout is, is obviously phenomenal. And, um, uh, you know, Aaron Judge, you've got some of those guys that are, that are really, really good. But um, I feel like I do okay against those guys just kind of the way that, uh, that I pitch. But really I struggle with some of the, some of the better lefties. So, you know, maybe uh, some of those guys I would like to see going to play. Or maybe Carson. He sounds like he's got, uh, <laughs> Maybe he's got some future plans. Yeah, look look out for Carson
2: Smith. When you're a substitute teacher and you go into a classroom, I'm sure all the kids listening can relate to this. There's kind of that transition because it's, it's, it's like, okay, our normal teacher's not here. How do you kind of ease your way into getting everybody to accept you? Because I think there's an art to it
3: um i do different things different ways basically uh, you know and, and it, it does change a little bit with the age group but um i think you just come in and you just tell them basically this is how it is and i'm in charge today and this is what we're gonna do so um you know i think if you can do that that goes a pretty long way and really once you've uh, you know been around the schools a couple times um, the kids you know they they see the familiar face and it's just it's just business as usual so uh, but, yeah, the first few times can be a little bit dicey. you got to get control of the classroom and you've got to get it right away or else it can get out of hand fast. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, too. I love
2: the fact that we have the Astros buddies and future Astros on because they are not shy. We're getting a lot of questions. They are filling up. So, so this one's anonymous, and I don't know if you were around the team long enough to have an answer, but maybe you do. Six cents is a long time, even though you're going back and forth a lot. But anonymous wants to know who is the best singer slash dancer on the team.
3: Ooh, um, see, this is one that I think a lot of guys would claim themselves, but they would <laughs> all be wrong, mostly. Um, George is a really good dance, dancer, Springer. He's, uh, you know, he's pretty lively, pretty, pretty uh, good on his feet. So I would, I would go with George.
2: I don't think you can go wrong there. And he's a resident DJ, so he's, he's multi-talented. Yeah, yeah, he is. I think that helps. So, Miles is up next. We're just going through all these questions. Miles has been playing in Little League, but next year he's starting kids pitch. So, what tip would okay. you give to miles?
3: Um, as a pitcher, a lot of strikes. That is the best thing you can do is throw the ball in the strike zone. It makes the game go faster. It makes it harder on the hitters because they're you're forcing them to swing. and so you know maybe they don't want to swing at a pitch that's um exactly maybe where you threw it, but they know they, they have to because you're throwing a lot of strikes. So um strike one, strike two, strike three, that's the that's the best thing I can tell you. Um and then as a hitter, hit the ball hard. That's if you can throw strikes to the pitcher and hit the ball hard as a hitter, I think that is uh, two of the best things you can learn to do.
2: So well, there you go, Miles, pound the strikes on you've heard it from Cy Sneed. Cy Sneed joining us tonight. We're getting through this pandemic and and we're glad to have Cy join all the Astros buddies and future Astros today. Part of your answer goes right into our next question. TJ wanted to know, he said, hello, Mr. Sneed. I play baseball and I want to become a pitcher like you. What? Why did you want to become a pitcher?
3: Um, I think I was, well, my, my dad played. He was a pitcher. My I have a older brother who uh, was a pitcher. And really, it just kind of worked out for me to be a pitcher because um, I would play up a lot of times. My brother's uh, two years older than I am. And a lot of times I couldn't hit it. At uh, whatever level or, you know, not real well, at whatever level he was playing at, but I could throw strikes so I could always pitch. So um, it always just kind of turned out that I just pitched more than um, I did play the field or hit. And so that just kind of fell into my lap that way. But uh, like I said, my dad was a pitcher. Uh, My brother pitched professionally for a little bit. um, So it just kind of runs in the family.
2: Yeah. Your dad was drafted by the New York Mets in 86. Your brother was drafted by the Royals in 2012 and went all the way up to the Wilmington Mm -hmm. blue rocks and played some independent ball. So Cy comes from a family of baseball players and now Cy is the the first to make the major leagues, but you are also a guy who went from uh, growing up in Idaho, the Idaho area. And you attended school in the state of Texas at Dallas Baptist. I did Um, a lot of, A lot of people have now become major leaguers out of Dallas Baptist. Maybe Ben Zobris, the most famous, but Jason LaRue and others. How did a guy from Idaho end up going to school in Dallas, Texas?
3: Yeah, so I actually kind of recruited them a little bit. Um, Idaho is not the hotbed of baseball that uh, everybody thinks it is. but um, (laughs) it. uh, So I kind of stumbled upon them, and uh, I was actually looking through somebody else's schedule and kept seeing this. Dallas Baptist pop up and and uh, so I kind of looked them up and and you know found out they're the real deal and, and going to a Christian college was something that I was very interested in something I really wanted to do so I uh, actually sent their head coach Dan Heifner some some video and some stuff of me pitching and um, then uh, when they were able to they they came up and watched the start and um, actually didn't throw that well get like six runs but uh, then uh, I went down there. And had a visit, and, and just really, really liked the, the staff, and um, just how genuine they were, and um, really what their focus was on. And it, so it made it you know a pretty easy decision over some of the other places I could have gone, and um, I was very, very happy I went there. Well, you you mentioned that not a lot of people come out of Idaho, but you were
2: drafted out of Idaho in the thirty fifth round in two thousand eleven. You did elect yep. to go to Dallas Baptist. Was that a tough decision? I know your brother would be drafted a year later, but did you have? Was that a tough decision to go to school?
3: Um, it was. You know, I mean, you always dream about playing professional baseball, right? So to turn that down um, was a little bit of a of a tough decision. But um, I was pretty confident that I could uh, get drafted again, and I could just get better, and um, you know, have three more years of growing and getting stronger, and and kind of refining what I did. Um, And so I was able to do that and and got a lot better while I was at DBU and not to mention met my wife and some other important things like that. So uh, (laughs) I think it was definitely the right decision.
2: Cy Sneed is our guest tonight. For all those Astros buddies and future Astros who have not seen Cy Cy pitch or seen the glove that he wears when he pitches, he wears uh, the name of his alter ego on his glove. And many of you may have seen Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, his name, his alter ego name is Yukon Cornelius, the Arctic prospector from Rudolph. How long have you gone uh, with that on your glove? Cause we noticed it on one of your first uh, outings as an Astro last year.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I've just done it for maybe really, I think last year was the first year I started doing it. Uh, but I kind of got it as a joke because, you know, some teammates would would always call me Yukon or whatever and, uh, you know, cause there's a little bit of resemblance there, I guess. And so I kind of got it as a joke and then lo and behold, I ran out of gloves. And so I had to start using that one that was kind of as the joke and, uh, that I got called up and that was my only glove. So I just had to keep using it. And, uh, it was pretty funny.
2: <laughs> he doesn't quite have the same mustache as Yukon Cornelius kids, but he does have a little bit of a resemblance to the, uh, the prospector from Rudolph. All right, back to the, uh, kids questions we go. and We love all these questions. They're great. Uh, So keep them coming. Mason says, hi, my name is Mason. And we touched on this a little bit, but maybe you could expand How do you train while in Alaska?
3: Yeah, so usually, you know, when everything isn't shut down or there isn't this craziness going on, I just go to a normal gym. And, um, you know, I I do all my normal workouts that uh, the team sends me, and I'm able to knock that stuff out. Um, Then there's a a place that I can throw here, and an indoor cage. Um, so I, I throw in there, I still throw in there right now, but, um, you know, right now I have to get a little craftier with what I'm doing. I do most, almost all my workouts at the house. So, um, you know, whether that's cutting wood or whether that's, you know, having to do lunges with a, uh, you know, with a log or with something like that, try to get some weight. I, uh, just kind of try to find ways to, uh, get it done just you know, where there's a will, there's a way.
2: Yeah, I just realized something when you talked about you had a lot of uh, the honeybee list to attack, and you've cut, cut a cord of wood. And everybody else in the Continental Forty Eight, at some point, it gets dark, and you can say, "Hey, I'm going to get attack that project tomorrow." You don't, you don't have that luxury.
3: Yeah, that's the that is one issue. As is you do look up and you're like, oh "My goodness, it's 830? Holy cow! No wonder I'm getting tired. But the sun's still <laughs> high in the sky, so you uh, you can get a lot done.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're staying busy. Uh, Austin wants to know, what pitch do you use the most to get a strikeout?
3: Ooh, for a strikeout? Um, I probably use, I would probably say my fastball or my curveball mostly. Um, I throw—I like to throw my fastball up in the strike zone or above the strike zone. Um, it works for me pretty good up there. So I do throw a lot of uh, two-strike fastballs, um, but I also do throw the curveball. So I kind of try to use those two in. In conjunction and kind of try to cover the, the whole plate. But I would say that last year, probably most of my strikeouts were on fastballs.
2: Uh, you mentioned curveballs, and uh, there's another question down here from Anonymous. Uh, what is the appropriate age, in your opinion, for little leaders to start throwing off speed or curveballs?
3: Um, I would say that's a little bit unique to the person. You know, if somebody is. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more developed and, um, you know, maybe they're towards the end of their, or closer to the end of their growing and they're, um, you know, physically ready to start doing that versus somebody who's more of a late bloomer. Um, but I would say minimum, probably 13 or 14. Um, and really, I I think what's better to learn instead of a curveball is a changeup. Um, and you can use that, you know, it doesn't, it's no different on your arm. It's no different on on anything so i think that learning a change-up first and being able to throw fastball change-ups while you uh grow up before you get to um you know the age where you do want to start using um breaking stuff is the way to go uh beforehand so there are a lot of kids here and and a changeup
2: has so many different grips and a lot of it depends on the size of your hand so we have various ages listening in but when did you learn how to throw a change-up and how did you actually throw it when you first started
3: Um, I probably didn't really learn like a good changeup probably until I was maybe a freshman in high school. Um, but what I do is I just try to hold the ball as deep into my hand as I comfortably can, where I can still keep a loose grip and everything. Um, you have to be loose with a changeup or else it doesn't work. So, um, hold it as deep as you can and still stay loose and you just have to throw it like a fastball. So you have to throw it hard have to throw it with good arm speed. Uh, if you slow down a lot, the hitters can uh, can see that you're slowing down on it. So, um, and even if it's only a couple miles an hour, you know, if it's four miles an hour slower than your fastball, um, that can be great. Uh, if if it's ten, wonderful. So, um, you know, as you as you get bigger and your hands start to get bigger, you can hold that ball a little deeper in your hand, pull a little more speed off. And um, one thing that I really try to do is throw it off with my ring finger. Um, And just that finger is not as strong as your middle finger where you throw your fastball off of. So it does take, um, it does take some speed off just, just by doing that.
2: So if kids right now are holding a baseball or they want to practice this on their own, you're talking about lifting your middle finger up and gripping the baseball more with your pointer finger and your ring finger.
3: So if you take where you're, when you hold your fastball where you're, Index finger and your middle finger are at. If you just move your hand over and you put your middle finger where your index finger was and your ring finger where your middle finger was and throw it and try to think about that ball coming off of your middle or off of your ring finger last instead of your middle finger last. That's what I
2: do. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Hopefully the kids uh, can practice that here and learn a change up. I like that. Um, next yeah, one we're we going to go to is Joseph. Now there's so many, uh, talented pitchers that you were part of the staff in 2019, which Astros pitcher or even spring training, 2020 Joseph wants to know which Astros pitcher you've learned the most from already.
3: Um, I would probably say the guy I learned the most from was Wade Miley. Um, he really, really helped me out with my cutter a lot. He was a guy who threw one, he threw, he he threw it a lot. So, um, really, Able to put in a lot of work with him um, a few times and, and get stuff kind of narrowed in. And, um, and really, one in particular was right before I, uh, right after the All Star break in Arlington. I was throwing a little bullpen um, there right the day of, the day after the All Star break, and he stood down there. And, you know, it's probably just 10 minutes, but I got more out of those 10 minutes with Wade and also with Max Stassy catching, um, catching that bullpen and getting a lot of good feedback from those guys. That um, I would say that that those ten minutes were probably the my best ten minutes of the entire year, uh, as far as learning and understanding and and being able to make adjustments with with any one pitch. Did he adjust anything with your cutter? Um, basically, he just kind of gave me some some pointers and um, you know more just a, a mentality kind of thing. Um, you mm-hmm. know how to use it, where to use it, when to use it. Um, you know, throw it here and then follow it with this pitch, or throw this pitch and then follow it with a cutter, or or whatever. But yeah, Wade gave me a lot of really good pointers, and then uh, actually that night I came out of the bullpen and threw like five innings. So and I used a lot of cutters, so it worked out.
2: <laughs> I love it. You uh, made your debut and threw six innings against the Pirates, the longest relief outing by pitcher all of last year for the Astros. Um, on we go to the next question. That was Joseph. So Bryce is nine years old says, hey, Simon, I'm just starting the pitch. What drills could I do to learn to throw a better fastball?
3: Um, so I think the best thing you can learn, is, and this is something that I uh, work on every day when I throw, is arm straight back, arm straight forward. So a lot of times I want to kind of twist or maybe wrap my arm, uh, if you're thinking about being on the mound, kind of towards the first base bag, um, where it's better for me to go straight towards second base. So if I can go and a straight line toward second base, I can then go straight line toward home plate. Um, And what that does is it just helps me to put all the energy I'm creating into the ball so that, um, you know, I I get a little bit extra velocity. I I throw a little uh, better fastball that way. Um, Instead of when I wrap around a little bit, I can kind of get on the side of the ball or maybe underneath the ball a little bit. Um, And it just doesn't have that last little bit of, uh, you know, extra zip that I'm trying to get on it.
2: Okay, so arm straight back, arm straight forward. That was Bryce. Braxton is the next question. Braxton wants to know, uh, I know you haven't been to all the stadiums around the league yet, but of the ones you've seen, what's your favorite stadium to play in as a visitor?
3: Mm, that's a really good question. Um, so most pitchers probably wouldn't say this, but I really liked Colorado. Uh, <laughs> and I'm probably able to say that because they didn't pitch there. But uh, I really did like Colorado. Um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful stadium there in Denver. Uh, it was a it was a great trip altogether. We just played two games there, but you know it was a lot of fun. Um, and then also, I would say Cleveland. I really really enjoyed Cleveland. I did get to the pitch there, and the coolest thing about there is you come out of the bullpen and you kind of go through this little tunnel and you come out and it's just the whole stand. just feel like they're right on top of you. It's, it's everything that you think. Pitching a or going into pitching a major league baseball game, what it what you think it would feel like is what it feels like, and so that was really cool.
2: I love the the answer about Colorado. A because you didn't pitch there, and B because it's kind of like it's got <laughs> that outdoor it's got that outdoorsy feel to it. There's like a water, like a river and a, a
3: rock oh, and yeah. like a little waterfall. Yep, and in the bullpen out there, that's it's amazing. I could I could spend yeah. days out there. <laughs>
2: all right on we go to uh ryan i'm going to assume ryan's question here is dealing with your major league debut but or your major league first call-up but he asked how excited were you when you were added to the astros pitching roster
3: oh man i was i was so excited you know it's something that you um you know worked for for a really really long time and um you know to to hear that finally i was i was getting to to go up that was um that was huge you know i've been trying to get there for, you know, ever since I was a little kid. So, um, you know, it was great. And then I, I obviously, you know, like you said, I, I skipped going into pro ball and went to college. And then after college I played, it was my sixth season in the minor leagues. So, you know, it was, it was a lot. Um, and you know, it was, it was really, really exciting. And really what was even more exciting was being able to call, uh, my wife and call my brother and family and everything and say, Hey, I got some really, really good news. Uh, You know, listen up.
2: That's awesome. I love those stories, and uh, it's a a long journey. There's a lot of guys that that your brother can attest to that, that, you know, stick around and never get that opportunity. So congrats for that. Katie in Houston wants to know, uh, what's your favorite pitch? It may go along the same lines as your strikeout
3: pitch, but Katie wants to know, what's your favorite pitch? Yeah, yeah, basketball and the cutter. I, I think those are probably my two favorites. Um I just I throw them a lot and they they feel good out of my hand. I feel like they're uh, my pretty consistent pitches. Um but really it can really vary on the day. Some days my slider I feel like is the best or my changeup or curveball or whatever. So um you know you ask me that maybe tomorrow and I might have a different answer or you know in a week but um I would say usually usually fastball and cutter are my favorite. Next one is
2: from anonymous um size need Yukon Cornelius probably know by now mustache and beard guy and pretty healthy beard at that anonymous wants to know if you ever get gum gum or sunflower seeds stuck in your beard
3: oh yeah uh not just them and sunflower seeds all kinds of things there's multiple times where I'll look at something and go man that looks so good but there's no way I can eat it without just making a huge mess but uh, yeah, so I've learned I've learned to not blow bubbles um, with gum. That is a kind of a lose-lose situation. Um, so I don't really do that. Um, seeds, I got to be a little careful of, but it is good to have, you know, somebody around that uh, will tell you, "Hey, you've got some seeds sticking out of your face." So, um, you know, that's that's just being a good teammate. <laughs> I love that. Another one from
2: Anonymous. This is not a question, just a statement. I am seven years old and I love how you pitch. So uh, a little love for yeah, size me there. Uh, Luke, apparently we've been talking a lot about pitchers. Luke might be a catcher because he ha- he is asking, uh, do you have any tips for catchers?
3: Um, I would say my best tip for a catcher would be learn your pitchers. Um, there's nothing better than having a catcher that I really feel like is on the same page as I am takes the time to talk through stuff, um, you know, and and just really, um, you know, just, and really being a really good teammate, Um, you know, those catchers that are really, really good at that, they go a really long way and guys really do appreciate it. So um, having somebody back there who's, uh, you know, working hard for you and, uh, you know, doing a lot of that, I think really goes a long way.
2: Hi, Luke. Hopefully uh, your future as a catcher will
3: be enhanced as you
2: learn your different pictures along the way. Elijah has a comment, not a question that says, I like you. So we go on to Jacob C. Are there drills that you can do inside your house? Jacob's 10 years old. He said, are there any drills? Because obviously it's tough right now. There's no practices. There's no places to really play games. Are there drills that you can do inside your house as a 10 year old or in the yard uh, for kids like me?
3: Yeah. So in your house, um, if you have a like a full length mirror, especially if you can get away from it a little ways and you can watch yourself in the mirror going through your pitching motion or your throwing motion um, and, you know, see that, uh, you know, for me, I, I am, I'm trying to be balanced throughout my entire delivery. So um, if I go through and I can see that maybe when I lift my leg or whatever, maybe if I'm getting out of balance a little bit. Um, I can see that in the mirror really easy. So I can, uh, you know, I can I can fix that. And then um, in the yard, you know, you can do some of the same things, um, you know, if you have a fence or something you can or somebody to play catch with, you know, you can, um, you know, you can do a lot of uh, little drills and uh, things like that. And really just try to make it as basic as you can. Um, and, you know, like even guys that you know, are in the major leagues, we do a lot of very basic drills and very basic stuff. So um, even don't, don't feel weird doing those basic things because, uh, you know, the fundamentals are really, really important. And they're things that guys, they're the very best still work on.
2: Good stuff. Hey, Sneed joining us tonight on our future Astros and Astros buddies, virtual Q and a, and we have about five more minutes left. So if you have any more questions, you can get them in. We have uh, two more in the queue here before, uh, uh, we get to our final few minutes. So, uh,
3: anonymous question. Who was your hero? You have a hero. Ooh, so um, so I didn't really have, like, a favorite team um, growing up. Um, you know, we kind of didn't really live near any teams or anything. So um, I really just liked individual players. Um, and one of the guys I really liked was Troy Tulowitzki. I just really liked the way he played, and you had tremendous arm strength and all of that. Um, and then – but really the guy that I would seek out to, you know, watch as much as I could reruns uh, – he was not play anymore – was Nolan Ryan. So – Um, I had a poster of him on my wall, you know, I had, I had some of that stuff. And, um, if, if there was ever a, you know, a rerun on ESPN or whatever he was pitching, I was, I was going to watch it. So, um, that was something I would come in, come in from outside for.
2: So when you were called out back and forth between Round Rock and Houston, did you ever run into Nolan at all last year?
3: I didn't. I, uh, I know Reed, his son, um, you know, I've been around him quite a bit, but, uh no i was never able to run into to him but i would really really like to do that chandler's up
2: next what is your favorite hobby besides playing baseball
3: i love to hunt i love to be outside i love to be in the mountains um so i like to you know take off from the road and walk you know several miles back into the mountains um that's kind of the way i like to do it um not really much for just kind of sitting still but uh yeah, so I, I really, really like to hunt.
2: You have such a passion for the outdoors and for hunting. Do you see yourself being in Alaska for a long time?
3: Yeah, I don't see any reason to leave. Um, it's awesome here. So, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, you'll know, we'll be here for a long time. Um, you know, my wife grew up here, so yeah, uh, you know, her family's here and her sisters and stuff. So um, I can definitely see that being a possibility that we stay here for. A really long time, which is good because I really like it here.
2: Patty wants to know, what are some of the fun things you had a chance to do in Houston? Again, you weren't there a long time, but you went back and forth. Was there anything you did other than show up at Minute Maid Party uh, while you were in Houston?
3: <laughs> yeah, so I got to see the airport and stuff a lot going back and forth. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we got to enjoy some of the good restaurants, um, you know, some of that stuff. Really, we weren't able to explore as much as I would like to, uh, but hopefully that we will be able to do that, you know, this year, next year, in the coming years. But um, you know, Houston was a uh, a great city, is a great city. So um, you know, we really look forward to being able to explore that a little bit more. And if you guys have any suggestions on things to check out, I would love to uh, love to hear that. Two more questions here that are queued up. Uh, this one's
2: from Austin. Do you have a favorite catcher to have behind home plate?
3: Um, I mainly threw to Torino. Actually, I think all but maybe one time I threw to Torinos last year. So I think I kind of have to say him because all but you know one outing was to him. But, uh, yeah, I really liked having him back there. Um, again, he was a guy that really helped me uh, you know, a lot with, with some stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go with Robbie. All right, Carson wants to
2: know uh, what does game day look like? What time for a 7 o'clock start will you get to the field, and what do you do to get ready for game time? that's a really good question.
3: So, uh, you know, you usually show up to the, to the field at maybe 12 or one o'clock. Um, and I start going through my uh, routine to kind of get myself ready for, um, our stretch and throwing program, um, that goes on. So I'll go into the weight room and get my body loose and, uh, you know, go through a lot of that stuff. And then, uh, that takes a little while. I might grab a little bite to eat, um, get ready to go out on the field, We'll go out, play catch, um, you know, do all that stuff, do our running, everything. And then we'll have batting practice, check for batting practice, then come inside. Um, and usually, you know, usually there's, um, you know, reports to go over or maybe some video to review, something like that. Uh, once we go through all of that, have another little bite to eat before the game. And then, you know, get ready for the, get ready for the game, go out and then we win. And then I come back inside.
2: <laughs> I love it. I know all the, all the kids listening in right now, all the future Astros and Astros buddies, probably wish uh, they could have you as a substitute teacher. But unless you all eventually move to Alaska, <laughs> I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Because Cy, once once he's here in Houston, is focused in on pitching. But we couldn't be happier to have you. Oh, one quick last thing. Um, Luke is saying you should go to H M N S, which is the Houston Museum of Natural Science. Uh, next time you're in town. Ooh, so there okay. is one suggestion for okay. one of your athletes. I'll write that down. I uh, appreciate that. H-M-N-S. Yeah, it's a cool spot. Uh, but yeah, I listen, yeah. we couldn't be happier that you joined us. And I know um, hopefully we'll be seeing you sooner than later wearing that Astros jersey and, and pitching off a mound. But until then, you know, stay safe in Alaska, and, and thanks again for taking the time out to join us and all the Astros buddies the future Astros.
3: Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for all your questions and uh, all that. I, I appreciate that. Thanks again for joining us, everyone.
0: Whether it's at the
1: ballpark or at home, at Balls Smoke oh, oh, oh. see. can happen. Anywhere. Anywhere. Thanks to all the frontline workers.
0: Thanks to those sacrificing now. Soon we can cheer together. Together. Stay safe, Houston.
4: Gang is all here. It's time for happy hour once again. Good to see everyone. Yeah, cheers, everybody. and we've got James Click. I hear you're a Houstonian now. Yeah, we're here. We got here this weekend. Uh, so I am gonna. I got my uh, my COVID test today. So once, really? I, uh, once I get the results back on that, I'll um, be able to, to come in and say hi to the guys and, and, uh, make, and get things
1: moving. So Was that part think, of the loan process? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
5: Are you excited about what's coming up? Are you excited about this week?
4: Yeah. On the calls last week about the draft, um, I was talking to uh Pete Patilla afterwards and we were just talking about the fact that he and he pointed out like how nice it was to talk about players and to like feel like this is a draft meeting. We're gonna, you know, it's all right, here's Johnny from Oklahoma, here's Billy from Arkansas, you know, let's let's talk through it. Let's talk through their stuff, let's talk through their swing let's you know all that kind of stuff it just as normal as it can feel over a computer it, it felt normal and it was just really nice to come out of that and it so many of these guys you, you finish up the call and you're like man they're all big leaguers like this is gonna be great we're gonna get five hall of famers out of four picks it's gonna be
0: unbelievable <laughs> so, uh, you know we're, we're we're
4: excited that's what we for, expect
0: i know it's what we expect too so james how was it with like with information how comfortable are you with the information you have because obviously and every team has this disadvantage right now uh, I mean there are, there are high school kids who didn't play any games this spring and how, how are you guys feeling in terms of the information and just the, the stuff you have on guys even though you haven't seen them play them it's a challenge
4: you know especially with high school kids I mean I think we all remember the differences between 16 years old and 17 year olds old and 18 years old and, and these kids can just you know, they grow four inches uh, over the summer and all of a sudden they're throwing five, six miles an hour harder. You know? and, and so if you only see it for four or five starts, you know, how real is that? Is that just a guy off to a good start? Is that a guy beaten up on lesser competition? But we have the advantage of uh, having a very experienced group here when it comes to uh, data, when it comes to video, when it comes to analyzing the game through that lens. Uh, and, and from that perspective, we feel very good about the, the group that we have and our ability to maximize the limited information, at least for this year, that we have on these kids. The nice thing about a lot of this data is that it, you know, stabilizes, for lack of a better word, like very quickly. So you see a guy coming out and, and you can be pretty confident in, in what you see in a, in a very small sample, um, maybe more so than you could 10 years ago before we had some of this technology. So. It's gonna be a challenge, it's it's a very real challenge, but I think our group is particularly well set up to handle it. We're trying to recreate a draft room, but you have to be able to recreate like smaller conversations. And, uh, you know, (laughs) so I might have like one Zoom call on my phone, Another on my iPad, another on the laptop, because you're going to be talking to different groups of people, just like you would in a normal draft room, where you would go around and be like, "Okay, like you're the area scout, you saw this guy, you know this kid, like tell me about it," and then you go to the cross checker, and then you go to the, um, you know, somebody else, the analysis guy, the data guy, something like that, um, and and trying to recreate the ability to have all those conversations. You know, we we have a lot of very talented player evaluators here and just trying to put all of them in a position where we can communicate effectively. But we're going to use all the technology at our, at our fingertips that we can, you know, whether it's you know, Slack, email, text, you know, everything. Because you know, the draft can move very, very fast if you're not prepared. And, and I guess that's another thing to, to mention. Like, you have to be locked down on this. You have to be prepared. You have to have your board lined up. Uh, because if you don't, you're going to get exposed very, very quickly. And that's something that we feel really good about where
1: we are with our board right now. How good do you feel about player development with the Astros? I can't express
4: like how impressed I have been by, in particular, the coordinators. Um, I have regular calls with different groups of people around the Astros. And one of them is with the player development coordinators. And that's obviously an area that Pete Batilla is very uh, familiar with. And so I lean on him very heavily for for those calls and those relationships. But... Watching those guys uh, come up with new ways for for players to train, for players to continue to improve when you can't play baseball, uh, has been a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, some of the videos they send of, of these drills that they're coming up with for these guys, and, and you know, they're coming up with a drill database where it's like, okay, this guy tried this drill and he got better. This guy tried this drill and he did. You know, just like the ability to 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 do that has been been really impressive and um you know the 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 Rays' ability to develop pitching uh is you know obviously everybody can see how well they have done there Mm -hmm. and um you know it's it's going to be a challenge to keep up with that in in particular but i don't see any reason based on the conversations that i've had and the things that i've seen around the astros why we can't just be at the forefront of of player development and we're going to have to be if we want to keep this thing sustainable we want to keep producing major league players if we're picking at the back of the first round or the back of the second round or, the, you know, late, later in the draft. That's that's the challenge is turning a second rounder into a first rounder, turning a third rounder into a second rounder. The way you do that is through player development.
5: And I think what's interesting about this draft is no, in a normal season, you'd be able to draft a guy and send him to short season A-ball or send him to A-ball and let him go play the game. You're not going to have that opportunity this season my first question, I've got two questions. So the first one is, what what is your plan for some of these players that you draft in the offseason? And number two, if you get the guy you want, is there the potential that he makes that taxi squad?
4: <laughs> that is a good question. Um, I hadn't thought about that, honestly. Uh, you know, most of these guys, they haven't played since February. And so it's just gonna – you're going to have to get – just such a, a high degree of confidence in their state of their ability right now. I think it's a it's a really, really hard thing to ask a kid to go from playing, you know, a couple of weeks of college baseball to to being on a taxi squad with a bunch of guys with a lot of major league experience. I mean, you know, I don't want to put anybody in that kind of situation. That said, like, you know, talent's talent. And if somebody's showing that they got it, I mean, I think we'd have to consider that. I just don't know if we're gonna have the ability to the way the timeline works sign a kid before we have to establish who's the taxi squad. So it it probably solves for itself. Um, but,
2: yeah, good, good, good question. You, I mean,
4: <laughs> I don't know. That's a good one. I hadn't thought about it.
2: Mention you had the COVID-19 test so you could interact with the guys. What's the scene like right now? Obviously, it's limited, but what do you, what's happening at Minimate Park? Yeah,
4: um, it, it's still individual workouts. Uh, it's still very staggered because it's a maximum of four players in there at any time. It's a maximum of two guys in the field at any time. You know, I have pointed out that the baseball field is very large and you can fit quite a few players on there at the same time without them getting close to each other. But Major League Baseball has, has told us that this is the regulation, so we're abiding by it. It's been exciting to get the reports of, you know, okay, this morning the four guys came in and the afternoon these guys came in. And Jeremiah and Vern and these guys will send me videos and they'll send me updates. And, and you know, Chris Fire is there and, and we've got some other coaches in town that are there. And so it's, it's exciting to get those reports and hear those things and to get video of, of Bregman taking swings and, and hear the ball off the bat. And, and you know, you, 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 not that you forget it, but, you know, you, you, you forget what it, what it feels like to hear that and, and how, much, how much fun it is.
1: You know, a lot of people always talk about you can't measure heart. You know, you look back on a on a guy's career; he's a late rounder, and he ends up exceeding expectations. How do you how do you measure somebody's heart when, when you can't really see him face to face right now?
4: Um, I mean, I think it's hard to measure heart even when you can't see him face to face. So it's 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 going to be tricky, right? You're you're not going to know. How these guys are going to respond? I mean, I mean, you you guys who've been out there on the field, especially when you're a major leaguer, like you've probably been the best player on your team on every team you've ever been on in your entire life, and a lot of times, like you're the best player your town has ever seen, right? And you just don't know what these kids are going to do the first time that they run up against every other kid who's also been the best player on every team he's ever been on. And as the the competition keeps getting ratcheted up and ratcheted up, it's it's almost an impossible question to answer. Um, that said, like you can talk to the players, you can talk to their teammates, you can talk to the coaches, you can talk to the people who have been there when things have gone bad for them. Maybe it's off the field stuff. How do they deal with adversity? How do they deal with, you know, the, the things not working out for them? So it, it's an imperfect science to say the least. Um, but that, that's why it's critical to have scouts out there who have relationships with the people who are around these players their entire lives you cannot just go in and watch a weekend of baseball or a couple weekends of baseball and and identify you know who's who the best players are you have to be able to gather that information from from the people that are around them when you're not
5: yeah i i agree so you're moved in the kids are taken care of the wife is out with her friends the dog is taken care of what is james click doing for fun the, the draft is over you've got you've got a Couple hours to yourself. What is James Click doing? What are you? What, what are your interests?
4: Um, I mean, listening to your podcasts. I I've been yes, surprised. you're the man.
5: You okay? Wow. I don't know
4: if I, know <laughs> if I should be happy or nervous. <laughs> I just listened you're to the doing. Gary Dennis one. I, I thought I thought that was great. I loved hearing Gary talk about the '86 playoffs. Like those are some of the first playoffs I remember as a kid. I, I'm sure Gary doesn't like to hear me say that. Like. You know, I remember yeah. those. Were, those were a lot of fun. All right. Yes, that's great. Well, this this has been great. Thanks for joining us. I know you've got a lot going on over there. <laughs> so we surely appreciate it. And best of luck when it comes yeah. to the draft. Yeah, I, I really
0: do, do appreciate it. it.
4: Thank you so much,
0: James. Good luck, James. Happy Father's Day from the Houston Open to all the golf dads. Houston Open's providing you an opportunity to benefit a great cause and give the perfect gift to the special dad in your life. All net proceeds go directly to the Astros Golf Foundation's COVID relief efforts. Go to HoustonOpenGolf.com slash tickets to donate now. Please keep in mind, packages do not include tickets to the 2020 Houston Open. If you order by June 17th, you'll receive it by Father's Day. There are a couple of packages available. Package 1 includes a Houston Open hat. That's a $50 package. Package 2 is $99. That includes that hat along with a sleeve of Houston Open Pro V1 golf balls and an invite to a special happy hour Zoom call with the 2019 Houston Open champion, Lanto Griffin. To receive by Father's Day, must order by June 17th. Go to HoustonOpenGolf.com slash tickets to donate
1: now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.